This is episode 338 with three-time Olympic trials qualifying marathoner, 27th place finisher at the 2024 trials, and a mom of three who runs 120 plus miles per week, Andrea Pomeransky. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and my singular goal is to help you improve your running by getting stronger, racing faster, preventing more injuries, and achieving more of your goals. I'm a monthly columnist for Trail Runner Magazine, a 239 marathoner, and a member of the 2002 National Championship Qualifying Cross Country Team when I competed for Connecticut College. You can learn more about me and strength running at strengthrunning.com. Now, if you enjoy this show, please support our partners who are offering you some great deals on amazing products that I know are going to help your performances and overall health. First up is the high nutrient probiotic drink, AG1. I love this stuff. It's the most popular greens mix available with 75 vitamins and minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, antioxidants, and adaptogens. To make taking control of your health even easier, AG1 is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune system-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. You can't be fast if you're not first healthy, so visit drinkag1.com Jason, and you can choose from a single purchase or a monthly drop to make this part of your ongoing nutrition plan. See all the details at drinkag1.com Jason. We're also brought to you by our very own Performance Training Journal, which is now available on Amazon, and when it debuted, was the number four new release in the running category. Now, I've always loved the very visceral feeling of holding a hard copy training journal in my hands, and writing in a daily can improve your motivation and help you learn more about yourself as a runner. The journal helps you focus on the training metrics that matter, while ignoring those that don't. It prioritizes a long-term outlook so you don't take any shortcuts, and it helps maintain your motivation with strategic self-praise. I've also included example training weeks from some of my personal best weeks during my running career, tips on injury prevention and strength training, and more. You can go on Amazon today and get your copy of the Performance Training Journal. Okay, my guest today just finished the 2024 Olympic Trials Marathon. Andrea Pomeransky is a 41-year-old mom of three who set an American under-20 record in the steeplechase back in 2001, and 22 years later, she set an American master's record in the 50K, which, by the way, is the second fastest ever recorded behind Des Linden. She's also the women's master's record holder in the mile as well. Andrea is someone who clearly has range and talent, but she really started expressing that talent in the marathon at a later age. She took about nine years off from running when she was grieving the loss of her twins in 2013. But she has transformed herself after this unimaginable loss, and just 20 days after racing the Houston Marathon, she beat her ranking at the trials to finish 27th. In this conversation, we're exploring Andrea's approach to training how she manages to run more than 120 miles per week in peak training and just train at such a high level with three kids and a busy schedule. Andrea is an elite marathoner and she actually uses high performance lifting to guide her weightlifting. 
She reached out in 2021 for help with her strength training, and I'm happy to say she told me just a few days ago that she continues to do a version of HPL specifically for the last few years. If you'd like to try HPL, use code TRIALS at checkout to save 20% on any tier of the program. I want you to have every advantage to stay healthy, to maximize your running, and just feel strong every day. Go to strengthrunning.com slash HPL and use code TRIALS for 20% off the program. And now, without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Andrea Pomeransky. So how are you? Congratulations. Thank you. And I just, I so appreciate you reaching out. I've been um, such a big fan of yours for a long time. And um, your strength training specifically has um, really made a massive impact in um, keeping me healthy. So all the content that you're putting out there, I mean, it's it's pretty cool to be on this podcast just because I've, you know, I've known your name for such a long time. So well, thank you, Andrea. It is so cool to hear that from a runner of your caliber, knowing that, <laughs> you know, I, I work primarily with with beginner to intermediate runners, you know, some some more advanced runners, uh, but to have an Olympic trials marathon qualifier who finished 27th in, in the race is, is that just means a lot. So thank you. Yeah. And oh, masters runners, I feel like it, I mean, this is like, this is your audience. Like, you know, I'm like, a perfect example of strength for masters and how it really can allow you to compete with these, uh, these young kids. <laughs> yeah, it, it's only I, I really think that the strength training, if you're really strategic about it, it's almost like it makes you like 10 years younger, where you can do things in your training, you can recover a little bit faster, you can train harder. So it really is a little bit of a way to level the playing field a little bit. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit more about your training, which is is pretty amazing in my mind. But first, let's talk a little bit about how you're feeling. I mean, you just finished 27th out of 117 finishers <laughs> at the trials. Uh, I think that is an absolutely stellar performance. Uh, how, how are you feeling? We are, what do we are? Uh, six days out. Six days out. Um, you know, I feel, I feel really good. Um, I, I'm recovering pretty quick. I actually went for a run this morning. I knew in my heart, I should probably take more days off complete running, but like I live in Michigan and it's like 60 and sunny right now. And I just couldn't help myself. <laughs> so I went for a run in a sports bra today, comfortably in a sports bra. And I was like, life is good right now. And I actually felt surprisingly good. Um, but I think it's because I think I recover quicker because, um, I train at, at a high level and pretty high mileage. And I do things like strength training that, um, I think doing things like that kind of allow me to recover quickly. But, um, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm so excited. It was such a fun weekend and I'm still kind of like living off that high a little bit, even six days out. <laughs> yeah. It, you sound like me as soon as you get a chance to like take your shirt off and run around and split leg short shorts. You take every opportunity. Oh, That's the most fun the we best. can have, right? It's the best. Yeah. <laughs> anytime I'm like a, um, sports bra, weather running kind of girl. So anytime I can kind of just be free out there, I'm loving it. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about the high that comes from competing in the trials. And at least from my perspective, it seemed like you had a pretty good race. Am I off base with that? No, you're, you're spot on. Um, yeah, it is just, uh, it's such an, just a, an incredible weekend. I mean, from all, from all fronts and it's, what's funny is I actually, you know, maybe it's because I'm a 41 year old mom of three. I actually felt so much less pressure coming into here. Cause I'm like, I'm kind of like 
I'm on nobody's radar. Like I just made the Olympic trials. This is every runner's like dream. Like this is a Super Bowl. I made it. Like this is the victory lap. So I truly, I did not have any expectations about time or finish. I didn't even look at my watch once. I was just like, I'm going to go in, enjoy this moment, um, savor every second because I just feel so grateful to be here. And, um, I mean, and don't get me wrong. I still ran hard. Like my goals were get the most out of myself and just enjoy this moment. And, um, I, I couldn't have asked for a better weekend from those fronts. And it, it turned out that just by doing that, I ran well too. So how about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's something about not putting a lot of pressure on yourself. Um, but l- let me give you a little bit of pushback. I mean, I know you said you didn't feel a lot of pressure because you're a 41 year old mom of three, but this is also your third Olympic trials, right? It is, and I was going to ask you a bit more about how the evolution of pressure really feels over a, a number of Olympic trials. So I'm curious, you know, is this is this more because you know th- this isn't your first rodeo? You've been around the block. You know what to expect on Olympic trials marathon weekend. It, did that have a lot to do with knowing how to quell a little bit of that pre-race anxiety? Um, yes, um, and I've certainly, I've, I've definitely, you know, I, I do, I wouldn't be where I'm at if I didn't set the bar high for myself and have very high expectations of what I think that I'm capable of. And I've definitely had races, especially in the past year, where. Um, I have gone into it with really high expectations and sometimes like I have fallen short either for whatever reason, you know, I caught a cold from my kids or I just was feeling off. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I have definitely dealt with that, but I don't know. There was something about this weekend where I knew it just, it was a special moment. And I, this sounds terrible to say, like, I knew I was capable of doing well, but I didn't think that I was in the kind of shape that would be the top three. So I thought like, this is just go have fun. Um, with it. Um, but it's kind of interesting. Um, so I have qualified for three Olympic trials. I did not run in the first one. Um, because two years before, um, I had doctors actually tell me that I'd probably never run over a couple miles again. And then I took a nine year break where I didn't run at all. And then I started training seriously about six months before the last trials and qualified like on literally like the very last day you could qualify. Um, so I actually went into the last trials ranked like, I mean, I think like 530th or 560th or something like that. So, I mean, talk about no pressure. I was like, wow, like this is, I'm done. This is it. Like I made the trials. And <laughs> so it's, but that kind of sparked this, like, no, like I'm capable of more. I have so much more left to improve. And then, um, so I really kind of, uh, stepped up my training the last four years. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I'm, I'm curious how good that feels being 41 years old, you've just qualified and ran your third trials. And you almost feel like, you know, this was maybe your best trials, you know, you're, you're, you're peaking now, as opposed to a lot of marathoners who might've peaked a decade ago. I'm curious how that feels. Uh, it feels really good. Um, and I knew kind of, it, it's just, it's really fun to go into a trials, like knowing you've prepared really well and you've worked kind of years for that moment to be competitive. Um, like going into the last trials, I knew I wasn't going to be in competitive just because I didn't have the, like the big block of training under my belt. Um, and that's just, it, it, it's not the greatest of feeling know that knowing that, like, I thought I was capable of a lot more, but I couldn't do it on that day. Cause I, I hadn't trained properly. So yeah, that, that was a really special feeling going in, knowing like I've worked really hard. I've been consistent for four years. Um, I haven't had major injuries, knock on wood. So, um, yeah, it was a really good feeling. 
Yeah. And, and you went running today. Speaking of consistency, uh, how, how far did you run today? How did that run actually feel? Um, you know, it, I went about nine miles. Um, and I, I ran yesterday a little bit less and I didn't feel that great. So I, I, I was thinking about taking today off and if the weather wasn't so beautiful, I probably would have, but I'm so glad I did. Cause I actually felt really good. I, I wasn't, the soreness was a lot better than yesterday. Um, so, and I think it kind of helps to kind of flush out that, um, kind of that junk that's in there after a big race. Yeah. I I do want to dive into your recovery a little bit more. I I think, I I know at least I am very interested. I'm sure many of our listeners are interested how a runner at your caliber recovers from a marathon. You know, maybe you can, you can take us through what the rest of the day looked like after the marathon and, and sort of how you think about recovery from 26.2 26.2 miles of racing as hard as you can, which is in my mind, especially on roads, you know, we're not talking about a trail race on roads. This is one of the hardest physical things that I think runners can do. So, you know, this topic is, is very interesting to me. Yeah. And you're, it's, um, the, the marathon too, I feel like it's the longest distance where you're kind of, you're kind of like redlining the whole time. Um, I, <laughs> yeah. so I did, uh, I did like a, a couple 50 Ks and even though it's not that much more than a marathon, it, it doesn't feel like you're redlining. It's just enough further where you're, the pace isn't quite as stiff, but a marathon, I mean, it's, if you're, if you're running it as you should, I mean, you're, you're racing it, um, for 26 miles and it, it does take its toll on your body. Um, but I think for me, um, the, the quicker I seem to recover, I think is like starts before the marathon. So it's, um, getting used to like higher mileage, I think helps you recover quicker because you're just used to that. Your legs are more used to the pounding. Um, and I think things like strength just make a massive impact on recovery too, because your muscles are, I mean, it makes sense, right? They're just stronger. Um, and I think, um, I think also like taking care of your body, doing things like that. Um, but one of the things I've done this week to help me recover is I'm a big fan of the sauna. So I've gotten in the sauna and I think that's kind of sped up my recovery a little bit. Um, that's one thing, um, I've done for pretty consistently for about six months now. And I think it, it really helps. Um, so I think, um, super shoes too, also, especially for masters runners, I feel like kind of le- levels the playing field a little bit because I think as we get older, we tend to, well, I mean, it just make, we just don't recover quite as quickly, um, as we did when we were younger, but I think things like, um, super shoes help us recover faster. So not only do you run faster, but I think you recover faster. And I think that's one of the main benefits of super shoes. Um, but yeah, I think just doing all the little things too, like strength and high mileage help you recover quicker. I am so glad you started with what you did before the marathon even started to talk about your recovery, because I, I think that's the big secret of recovery. You know, I, I think I just put out a, a, a note on social media saying the number one thing that is important for recovery is making sure that you're actually prepared for the thing that you're about to do, whether that's a workout, a long run, a race. And so when it comes to the marathon, you know, the fact that you run such high mileage isn't just helping you get in better shape for the marathon, but it's actually helping you recover from the marathon. L- let's talk a little bit about your actual training for the race? Cause I think, you know, you run a lot and I, I want to get into <laughs> how that looks. 
Yeah. Um, it's, I do run a lot and this was, um, I got up to the highest mileage consistently I've ever gotten. So I think I had a couple weeks like in the mid one twenties, Oh boy. um, or maybe it was right at, maybe it was right at one twenty. but it was like, I had three or four weeks right at one twenty, And then I had a couple weeks at one ten. Um, but I, 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 right now I can kind of, I can consistently handle between 110 and 120 and it's not easy, but it feels manageable. Um, but what's, what's funny is like a couple years ago, I was barely hitting 90 and it just felt like it felt like too much. Like I couldn't do it. And it, it, it was wearing on me and I felt tired all the time. Um, but I think kind of what I was really good at was very incrementally, you know, with each kind of marathon block or with each season, um, just bumping it up like a little bit each time. And then all of a sudden it's like, I can handle these big weeks like that. So I think, um, yeah. And I've always, I could always kind of handle bigger miles. Like when I first got serious, I kind of jumped right in at 70, which I wouldn't really recommend. Um, and then, but after that it was like 75 and then it was 80. I mean, I didn't go up to 120 right away. Yeah. I've had a previous guest on the show who, who said, you know, you need to take little bites of the apple and that's how you oh, gradually that's such get a good up. analogy. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you gradually get up to those high mileage numbers because, you know, essentially what we're talking about is progressive overload. And, and a lot of runners hear that and get intimidated by the mileage levels, but forget about the whole progressive part of it, which, which means quite definitionally, slowly, gradually, methodically, progressively. And, and, and that I think is the secret to not only being able to run those mileage levels, but unlocking, you know, next level performances out of yourself, you know, at least from my own personal running, Every time I was able to get to that next level of mileage, all of my race performances took a huge step up. And I saw that all of my teammates in high school and college, that was true. And so it's, it's such a great kind of real world testimonial for the type of training that you're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, I couldn't agree with, with that statement more. Um, there's this, I can't, there's this Chinese word. I can't remember what it is. I'm drawing a blank. It's like, Kaizen or it could get so it's something like that where it's like one like tiny little baby step every single day. And I think it's so much easier to um like people have a hard time sticking with something because they go like balls to the wall and then they can't sustain it and then they just do nothing. So I think if you do something that seems manageable and it's just like like one day it's like okay if you want to start running maybe day one is like you think about putting your running shoes by the door. Day two is you put your running shoes by the door. It's just steps that you feel like you can do. And when you give yourself a little win, it just gives you much, so much more motivation. And I think mileage is kind of like that too. It's like, you just have to go super small and something that you can wrap your head around. And then before you know it, you know, you're at these big miles that really just benefit you so much. Yeah. It's at these times where you really have to think in terms of years, not, not even months. Cause I think that's the long-term perspective that's really going to help you enable those really high mileage levels. Uh, so Andrea, tell us how you structure 120 miles a week. What does your week look like? Are you running doubles? Uh, what does your long run look like? Do you take a rest day or do you just have a very easy day? You know, walk us through the, the high level overview of your training week. So about a year and a half ago, I switched to a nine day um, training cycle instead of a seven day. And I feel like, especially um, kind of at my age, that's just benefited me so much. Um, so what I'll do is I'll do like a, like a short speed workout 
and then I'll double that day and then I'll have two recovery days. But my recovery days are just, they're not, they're a pretty good chunk of miles. So like the day after my workout, I'll do, um, I'll do another double, but it'll be a long run in the morning and then like a short run in the afternoon. And then the day before my next workout, I'll do kind of no strength, no Pilates or anything. And then I'll do like just one short, easy run. So that I'm going into that next workout kind of with more fresh legs. Um, so that's kind of how I structure it. Um, so I'll do like a workout, two recovery days, a workout, two recovery days, and then my long run, which would be anywhere from 20 to 23 miles. Um, and then just kind of repeat that cycle. And then I always do strength the afternoon of my workout days. Okay. So, and then sometimes I'll do like strength the next day, or I'll do like a little Pilates the next day or something like that. But, um, strength is, is definitely, um, one of the keys to my routine or an important part of my routine. Yeah. What I think is very encouraging about this is that it doesn't sound very different than what many runners are doing, except you're doubling. A lot of runners aren't doubling. Some runners might be doing that with cross training, which I think is the next best thing. Um, and you just tend to run a lot for each one of these runs. So, you know, when you have an easy day, when you're doubling, you said a longer run in the morning and then some easy afternoon miles, that's probably a shorter run. What, what do those mileage levels look like? Um, so I would say if, when I'm at my peak, um, my workout days and the day after my workout days, um, I'll probably get anywhere from 15 to uh, 13 to 17 miles. And then in the afternoons, I'll keep it short, like maybe four, four or five miles tops. Um, yeah. So, and the only kind of tricky thing is I do all of my running when my kids are at school. So when they leave for school, I'll do that big run, which means then I only have like three and a half or four hours of recovery time before I have to sneak in my double before I pick them up. And that that's challenging because uh, it's just, it sometimes it just feels like not, and I'm like, I just did this. I feel like I just got done running and I, <laughs> before I go pick up my kids and then, and then the day really starts when they come home, right. Then it's <laughs> the running parts easy. So, um, yeah, but I, I do a pretty good chunk in the morning, like usually between 13 to 17 or sometimes even 18 miles if I do a long tempo workout. Yeah. That's funny. You say that because I, I remember when I was running the most mileage that I had ever run, the biggest double day that I had would be 11 in the morning and then like seven in the, in the evening. Okay. But I needed to separate that by like eight, <sighs> nine, 10 hours because that, like, <laughs> you know, none of those were short recovery runs. They all seemed like somewhat of a more substantial run. And you almost needed like half of a day in between just to kind of get your head on right and, and not feel like you just finished the, the prior run. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is, I shouldn't, this is only happened once. This is kind of embarrassing, but there was one day where I had like a really long workout and it was a hard workout. And I think I only had three hours before I, I kind of wanted to, and all of this is self-imposed <laughs> by the way, keep this in mind. I had like three hours before I was supposed to double before getting my kids. And I was just exhausted. And I was like heading out the door. I'm like, I think I'm going to cry right now. <laughs> It's only been three hours and I'm going out for another double, but I, that's funny. That's only happened once. Usually, you know, I'm, it, it's fun and I love it. So, well, I find this very inspiring, Andrea, <laughs> you know, like you're, you're raising three kids, you know, you've said you're a 41 year old mom of three. I'm a 40 year old dad of three. I, I totally get it. 
you're like in the car recording this right now. I see a <laughs> soccer ball on the chair behind you. Are, are you in a minivan yeah. right now? Um, or is it close. an SUV? So yeah, it's an SUV, but, um, oh, the yeah. minivan would have been better for, for this would story. Have been better. But... <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's some goldfish on the floor back there. If that makes you feel any better. I'm like almost certain that if I look back, there's going to be some kind of food smashed on the floor. So. <laughs> oh, I, I probably have over a thousand calories worth of food in the back of my car. So <laughs> you're in good company. Let's talk a little bit more about sort of how you enable all of this mileage. Cause you know, part of it is, is you gradually getting up to these levels uh, I think you breaking it up into numerous double runs during the week it, it enables you to run a little bit more. Uh, but you've mentioned strength training as a big part of of this whole equation, and and I think you know, especially for masters runners, the strength really enables extra training. It allows you to train harder, and and I can think of you just as one of the most perfect case studies for this principle. Um, tell us like how often you lift weights. Do you do any other kinds of strength training besides getting in the gym and lifting weight? You know, you mentioned Pilates earlier. Walk us through how you think about getting strong. Yeah. Um, I, so I think, um, I very much think, especially now that I'm kind of in this space that when you're over 40, you 100% can get better. You can compete with people five, 10, 15 year, years younger than with you or than you. I mean, there's not a doubt in my mind just because of how I feel and how I've been able to improve the last four years. But I think it's the little things that become the big things, like they're more important as you get older. And I think if you are very diligent about doing these little things, well, they're not, and I hate to say little things, but you know what I mean? They're the non-running things, which we don't usually yes, that's a want much to prioritize, <laughs> but right. they're just as important. I always like to say, you know, all those other things, I don't like it as much as the running, but it enables me to do the thing that I love, which is running. That's why I do it. Yeah. And I think, um, and I tell people um, that I coach to consistency is king. Like the number one thing where you're going to see improvement is consistency over time. And it's doing the non-running things that allow you to be consistent over time. And I think um, it's the non-running things also that allow you to be able to be more competitive with, you know, running against people that are younger than you. And it's um, the big ones for me are strength. So I do strength two. I try to get in at least two sessions per week. Um, and then I also do two Pilates sessions per week um, to kind of try to work those like those little muscles. Um, and that's been really, that's worked for me pretty well. Um, and then obviously like sleep, you know, sleep is really important. Nutrition is important. Um, after your big workouts, trying to get, you know, make sure you're eating within that 30 to 60 minute window. Um, it's all of these little things like taking, I mean, trying to eat mostly whole foods, but, um, vitamins too. I'm a giant fan of, um, Prevenex. Um, so I do all of their, all of their supplements and their protein powder. Um, cause I'm plant-based too. So I, I do use protein powder just to make sure I'm getting, um, protein. Oh, and that's another thing. I think protein is really important as we get older too, like putting more of it in. So, um, but yeah, just taking care of all those, as you say, non-running things just, I think make a massive impact. Yeah. And, and I will second Prevenex. I had my Nurify <laughs> shake earlier today. They sponsor our podcast and, you know, here's the quick plug. You can use code Jason 15 for 15% <laughs> off any purchase, but let, let's get back to, uh, let's get back to your training. So you do Pilates. I've never done Pilates. Um, talk to me a little bit more about 
what that workout looks like. Cause I have no idea. I, I've done some yoga. That's like some core focused yogas. And I think it's somewhat similar, but I don't actually know. Yeah. I, I really like Pilates because I think it's, um, it's a lot more like core focused than I would probably do on my own. Like I'll do, you know, like the planks and then like the, um, the Russian twists and things like that. But I mean, all of it is really, um, like the whole workout you're using your core and you're using all of it's very functional. Um, and the woman I found, um, I actually just kind of found her online and she works with a ton of Australian Olympians. Um, and what I love about her is that it's running specific and it's on demand. So for me, that's huge because like I sneak in my strength (laughs) when like I'm getting my kids snacks after school. Like that's the only time where I can sneak it in. So Andrea, I do that too. (laughs) I do that too. My goodness. Yes. It's the only time where I can fit it in realistically. So I'm, (laughs) I I don't have time to drive to the gym. So I love programs that are, you know, that are on demand that tell me what to do and, and plans like yours too, where it's like, it's all laid out for you. You have pictures, you can do it in your own home with dumbbells. Um, so, and I think like getting in anything is better than getting in nothing. So like, this is just what I have time for. So, yeah. That's so funny that you do that too. <laughs> I know. I think every parent is fitting in their their workouts and and things like that whenever they can. Um, I, I think it's really great that you're doing a lot of this stuff at home. And you mentioned, you know, you're saying my strength program. You follow high performance lifting, mm-hmm. and I think it's incredible that you are kind of going through this program because you know, it it was always intended to be sort of for everyone. And and I've had 74 year old marathoners who never thought they would be able to run a marathon again, be able to stay healthy and feel strong and get the training in to be able to continue running marathons. And and now we have Olympic trials qualifiers also using (laughs) APL and everyone in between. How are you doing it at home? Because this is admittedly a gym program. You sort of need a, a, a good weightlifting setup. Yeah, you do. Um, so like, I again, I said, I think like doing something is always going to be better than doing nothing. Um, and even if you can only fit 20 minutes in. Um, so I I just don't do like the, the dumbbell with like the heavy. So I just do, I have like um, just like d- dumbbells that um, we actually bought like um, <laughs> I think off like a, off someone like secondhand a few years ago. So like 10, 15, 20, 25. And for me, you know, um, that's, that's enough. Um, so I just do what I can with a dumbbell set that we have. Yeah. Yeah. And you can do that instead of just using a barbell, which is technically how the program was initially developed, uh, is a barbell weightlifting program. But yeah, it's funny. I've, I've fielded a couple questions just in the last few days, over this exact thing. Can I use dumbbells? And yeah, you can, it's, it's, you can do almost any exercise that you can do with a barbell with dumbbells pretty much exactly the same way. And I'm sure that's your experience. Yeah. Um, I know it's not, I, I mean, probably best case scenario, but yeah, it definitely works. How do you feel doubling, running a faster workout and lifting in one day? Is that, is that like a, a big, eating day for you? Like, how do you, how do you focus your energy on a day like that? Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'm, I feel like I just kind of graze all day long. Um, and then sometimes too, it it won't hit me until like, like I'll be so busy. It won't hit me until the next day. So sometimes it's like my down day where I just want run once and I don't lift at all that I find myself like 
super ravenous. It kind of like hits me. Um, yeah. And I do a lot of, um, so it's hard too. Cause I I'll do my, my run and then I really don't have that much time to eat like a giant meal before I do my second run. Um, cause I, I don't want to run like full. So I try to do a lot of smoothies just to pack in like a, a bunch of nutrient dense foods, but they don't, it doesn't leave me feeling super heavy. Um, so I'll do a lot of smoothies in between runs, um, to make sure my energy levels are up. Cause I, if I don't eat enough, then I, I just can't sustain that activity level. Like it's just impossible. Um, but yeah, it did take some getting used to. I remember, I mean, you just have to kind of keep working it in gradually. And if you don't, if it doesn't stick the first time, you just I try, try and try again. Um, I remember when I first started doing like a, a lift and a double on after a workout, I just it's like, how do people, how do people do this? Like this, I can never do this. And I, I just kept like trying and trying. And now um, it's just, it's amazing what your body can adapt to really. I and mean, you just kind of have to know like you're, if you don't get it on the first pass, that's probably normal. You just have to kind of keep trying or keep maybe pull it back and do 15 minutes of strength and then 20, something like that. Yeah. Almost hearkening back to the idea of progressive overload. It needs to be very progressive, gradual, and, and also methodical. You know, if you're lifting once every three days or something like that, that's probably a pretty good split. But Um, you know, I've been experiencing this over the last two months where I've been getting into the gym. I've been so much more consistent with weightlifting. However, it, it hasn't been as consistent. You know, there's some weeks where I'll only be able to lift once. And I've found that that has negatively impacted my ability to not get as sore from workout to workout. So I'm actually dealing with that today. I lifted yesterday. (laughs) I didn't do a double, but I did a run and then I lifted and I'm walking around today like I'm like I'm 80 years old rather than 40. I feel like my age is doubled. Yeah, maybe this you might maybe this makes me sadistic, but I like love that feeling like when you can't walk down the stairs and it's like painful or you're super sore. I don't know what it is. My husband thinks I'm crazy, but I just something about me just loves that feeling because it's like you put in work, like you were, you know, you're sore because you did something and I don't know. It's like a bad I do too. I I love love that that too. And you know what, you know why I don't like not running is because I don't feel, I don't feel the same if I just feel super energetic all day and I can bound up the stairs and all this stuff. And like, I I need to direct this energy somewhere. I need to do something with this. If I'm not feeling a little, you know, fatigued or sore at at least a couple times a week, you don't feel right. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, I need that just to regulate myself. And and that's probably, that's probably a whole other conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it's so funny that you just said that because, um, I'm not normally one that takes days off. Like for me, kind of a day off is running five or six miles. It's like a super short day that almost feels like more of a day off. Um, but after the trials I did, I took four days where I did not do any running at all. And I don't know if it was just like this, the letdown from such like a big, um, moment, but I just felt like I felt really off. And sure enough, when I went for my run yesterday, I was like, okay, I feel like way more normal again today. But it's, it's, I don't know, I can't explain it, but that's funny that you just said that. <laughs> Andrea's back. <laughs> you got, ba- you, yeah. Now you're back like, to running. Okay. Everything's right in the world. <laughs> I know. I, I think that's, I think that's the story of so many runners where they just need it. They need that running just to feel normal. Um, so wait, you said you took four days off after the marathon. You didn't do any running during those four days. Did you do any other types of exercise? You know, even as simple as like t- 
today I'm going for a 15 minute walk. I'm just going to flush out my legs. You know, is is there anything like that? Yeah. Um, and I'm a big fan of active recovery too. So the, the day after the trials, I, I didn't do anything, um, just because we had, we were traveling and then we got back and saw the kids and, um, I don't know. I just, at least I think that day after is just let everything rest. Like don't do anything or walk around. We were walking through the airport. Um, but then the next three days I walked on my treadmill, like at an incline. So I would kind of sweat a little bit, but I wasn't really taxing my body too much. Um, so like the first day I was quite sore or I guess it's two days removed from the marathon. I, my legs were still really sore. Um, so I just did like a smaller incline, like five or 6% and then like a gentle walk, like maybe three or three and a half miles an hour, not much. And then I did find that that the day after that, I could go up to like nine or 10%. And I felt a lot better. But I think I think a, a lot of it too, is like really intuitively listening to your body, and what you think you can handle. And if it feels like too much, or you're sore, or you just mentally even just like are checked out, you're like, I don't want to do this today. I think really listening to that, um, your kind of inner compass and, and what you want to do. Yeah. And I think the first run back after a marathon is really where this like internal compass is, is maybe the most important because I have long called this first run back a diagnostic run where we are simply diagnosing any potential issues. You're seeing how your body feels. You're seeing what your recovery has been like. You know, you shouldn't go for like a 15 mile run, your first run back after the marathon. It's simply like, how do I feel? And can I pinpoint any issues that might make my, you know, change my recovery approach? In other words, do I need to take more time off? Do I need to go see a physical therapist or do I feel great? And like you tomorrow, I'm going to go for a nine mile run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was funny. My first run back too. Um, I love that you said diagnostic run. Cause it kind of is just that, um, I was just planning to go like three or four miles and I ended up feeling really good and, and I was enjoying the day. So I did go a little bit longer, but, um, yeah, I think you just really need to listen to yourself and your body. And I did after that run too, I was like, eh, I'm just a little sore. So I ended up having an appointment with um, kind of a muscle release therapist too, which helped tremendously. So I did, I did do that after that first run. I thought I needed a little bit something extra <laughs> for recovery. When will you bring back any kind of faster running? And what will that look like the first time you start running faster than an easy effort? Um, that's a good question. I think it varies with each marathon. Um, and then also like depending on what you have next. So, um, I don't know if you knew this. I actually, I actually ran the Houston marathon 20 days before the trials. Um, I didn't know that Andrea, that that's a little crazy. (laughs) (laughs) It's more than a little crazy. I'm, I understand. Um, cause I was kind of, I, I found myself in really, really good shape and I knew like, I probably wasn't going to kind of come in the top three and it was probably going to be hot. So I was trying to, um, pop a really fast time and I ended up kind of at the beginnings of a cold. So I, I didn't, um, I just didn't have the day that I, I was capable of there, but, um, because I didn't run as fast as I think I was capable of, I kind of treated it as a long run. And I actually did a workout like that Friday. So I just kind of kept rolling in to that training cycle but only because the trials were three weeks later. So I just went, jumped right back into training. Um, now for this one, uh, I probably, I probably won't do a workout. I'll probably just do easy running for a couple weeks. Um, but sometimes like I would say more often than not, I'll do, I would like take a week of 
just kind of easing back into it and then um, do a workout like maybe Thursday of the next week and just kind of to test it like a baby workout, maybe five by a mile, but not all out, just kind of spinning the wheels a little bit, something like that. Yeah. I like that you said baby workout because I I use similar (laughs) types of, you know, not the same terminology, but, you know, I might call it a mini workout or a workout where we're not really trying to gain fitness. It's sort of like that diagnostic run where let's just do an easy workout to see how you feel. And then based on your perceived exertion during that run, you know, that might impact the next workout or how soon we do your next workout. Cause I think, um, anytime you've just run a marathon, the three to four weeks afterward is where you probably should be the most conservative with any of your training, you know, with terms of long runs, workouts, running doubles, doing anything super intense, you know, even, even if you're not running, you know, I like, I like to play a little basketball. I'm not going to go play a basketball game three days after a marathon and then think to myself, oh, this is good recovery. I'm probably just going to hurt myself. Yeah. I I think for sure you're kind of in that red zone where if an injury is like going to pop up, and you push it too soon, like you're, you're riding the line that those first three to four weeks. And I think especially if, um, if you're newer to like, if it's your first couple marathons, then you're, you, I think it's more important to take longer time period off because your body is just not used to that kind of, um, stimulus, I guess, if you will. And related to that, I think the way that you train with some pretty high mileage levels allows you like we said earlier, to recover faster, to get back to running a little bit sooner, maybe even to get back to a little bit of intensity, uh, a faster workout, just because your body is so well conditioned to what you're doing that even doing a workout 11 days after a marathon, that's not actually very far from your normal training. It's you're right. And um, yeah, there's no chance I'd be able to do that when I first got back into marathoning. Um, There's just no chance. So, and this is kind of interesting too, um, because I'm, um, and so North because I live in Michigan, I do a lot of running on the treadmill. Um, so I will probably do the first couple workouts back on the treadmill too, just because I did that. It's more forgiving for your body. I do like pretty much all my workouts during the winter on the treadmill. And I think it really allows me to recover so quick because I'm not, it's not that hard pounding on my legs. So it kind of allows me to a, like push longer in my, let's say I'm doing a longer tempo run than I would have done outside. And it allows me to recover quickly so I can hit it hard the next workout three days later. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, I I think of the treadmill as an easier training venue on the body than the road. And if you're throwing in the super shoes, if you're strength training twice a week, you're getting that great hormonal stimulus from weightlifting. And, you know, you mentioned earlier that you try to get in a lot of protein that that to me is like one of the 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 scenarios where you can train really hard and recover really well and it's like the best of both worlds 100% and um you know people say this all the time it's not it's not how hard you push it's how well you recover i mean you you get better when you recover um so i it's just so important and and i really feel that kind of like now more than ever do you consider yourself injury prone over the last couple of years um knock on wood Um, since I started, since I got back into like serious training about four and a half years ago, I have not had any major injuries. Wow. That's Um, awesome. Yeah. No. And I had one. Um, so I was training for, I was training for like the mile. Um, and I, I think I, I did something to my, um, 
planter. Just, I wasn't used to that, like short poppy training. And that's a whole different, um, kind of topic, but, um, I, but I trained, I was, a, I still could train through it. I was just in pain for like a month or two, but that's really the only big thing that I've had. Wow. And that kind of consistency, you know, you barely really having too many substantial injuries over the last four years or so. That is the secret sauce to success in my mind is just the relentless consistency of progressive overload in your training over time. That's where the magic is. And and we're seeing it with your training. I mean, it's, uh, it's just awesome to see you. Thank you. You know, I, I didn't even know that you ran Houston 20 days before the trial. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Incredibly um, not intelligent could be another word for it, but uh, it, Hey, it worked out. I was 27. So <laughs> yeah. who knew? Um, when are you going to start lifting again after the marathon? Is that something that you also delay a little bit? Because you know, the way I, I see any kind of weightlifting, especially if you're, you tend to use a little bit heavier weight, it's almost more like a, a faster workout. Cause it's, it's recruiting more muscle fibers. Uh, it has a certain level of intensity to it. Uh, especially if you're even approaching a one rep max. So do you wait a little bit to reintroduce that to your training? Yeah. Um, and this is, I should probably actually like ask you when I should put it back. Cause I just kind of, I don't know. I just, kind of do it. And I don't know if it's ideal, but usually I I take that full week after and don't do anything. Um, and then kind of add it in like, so I'll probably add it in next week, maybe Tuesday. So I might add in strength before I start actual like hard running workouts, but yeah, I don't know. You tell me what's ideal. (laughs) I would agree with that. Yeah. I think, uh, before you add in, before you do your first baby workout, you know, some easier strength training is probably a good idea. And not really because the goal is to get stronger, but I think one of the ways in which runners really benefit from strength training is reinforcing good mechanics and movement patterns, even with things as simple as like, you know, uh, uh, a bridge or a single leg bridge where, you know, you're driving your heel into the ground and you're activating the glutes and you're using your hips to stabilize yourself. If you're not doing that regularly, like your posture might not be as great. And it's just a really wonderful way to promote good posture, good mechanics and and good just postural alignment. So I think that kind of stuff can be started pretty much as soon as you start running again after the marathon. So, you know, you take four or five days off, then your run, you know, you go for that easy run. And then it's like, you're doing the equivalent of a very short, easy run with strength training. So maybe it's body weight, maybe it's like your Pilates, where you get enough recovery, you know, you're not doing things to failure, but you're just kind of activating the muscles. You're, I want to say almost going through the motions, even though, you know, like there's still some value and benefit to it, but it's so much easier than what you might do a month later when you're into more formal training. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And it makes sense too, um, from like kind of an injury prevention, it's like you're helping your form when you're running, when you're coming back. Cause it's probably not quite, you know, on point. Well, that's a good point too. Cause I think when you're recovering from a marathon, at least in my experience, and maybe it's different for you, but I always felt like the first week of running after a marathon, I felt uncoordinated, clunky, a little bit like I, I just, I'm not as smooth. I'm not as graceful. I'm not as economical. And 
the little, you know, baby strength workouts help smooth out some of that almost lack of coordination that, that I'm experiencing. Uh, just because I think the, the fatigue that you have after a marathon to not just your muscles, but also your nervous system, which is controlling some of those fine movement patterns is, is still fatigued and you're still dealing with that. You're still recovering. So it's all part of that normal recovery process. And so you can't, you can't just introduce easy running. I think you need to introduce all of those aspects of training, just like you normally have in your training plan, except totally scaled back a lot easier just because you're still recovering. Yeah, that makes, that makes so much sense. So Andrea, what are you going to do next? You're, you're back to running. You, you have run like th- two marathons in the last month or so. Um, you've got a, do you have another one in a week or so? I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> no, no, I don't. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take a good long, um, a good long break. I think after this one, my body, and I, I feel like sometimes like you need a break more mentally than you do um, physically even. And, and it's, it's really hard. I mean, I, I train at a very high level and I, I push myself a lot and it's, it, it's hard to do that. So I want to make sure like when I get back into it, like I'm ready to like, you know, get it. <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, cause that's, it, it takes a lot of mental strength to do that too, you know, week in and week out. Um, but I, it's, I'd like to kind of maybe see what I can do, uh, in the ultra world, maybe dip into that arena a little bit. I still think I'm capable of running a really fast marathon time. Um, I don't think I'm, I don't think I've tapped out near tapped out. Um, even at 41, I mean, you look at these women that are running two twenty two marathons at age 46, like it's just, it's remarkable setting PRs at 46. So yeah, I just think, um, as long as I continue to do these, you know, non-running things and stay healthy and consistent. Um, I, I very much think I can improve my marathon time for the next several years, but, um, the ultra space kind of really intrigues me. I just did my first two this year and, um, and they went really well. So I think, I think you have an advantage too, as you get older, um, the longer the distance. So I'm kind of excited to explore that a little bit too. So we'll see. I don't know. One of the things I just want to uh, to acknowledge about you is that you have incredible range. You are a very good marathoner, but you're also a very fast miler, and and you just have <laughs> this ability to run fast over over all these distances. Which I think number one, I, I really don't like it when people are like, "I'm a 5K runner," "I'm a marathoner." It's like, no, you're a runner. Let's get good at a lot of things because that's going to make you the best runner overall that you can be. And whatever your primary interest is, whether it's the 5k, the marathon, the half marathon, you'll be better at that because of that range. And so I, I love seeing you just tackle so many different distances and and be good at them. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. Um, yeah, but absolutely. And I think like the, you know, the faster you can kind of touch on those really high, like short speeds, like it's only going to make that your marathon paces feel easier. So I think, um, even in that nine, tr- nine, day training block, I'm touching on everything. I'll do some short stuff. I'll do some long tempos, that long run and then hill strides. Um, I've added hill strides in the last year and that has been a really, um, a really great thing. I think for my training was adding in the hill strides. So yeah, it's, um, plus it's just fun. You're down in like four minutes, four or five minutes, the mile. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Great. <laughs> I actually skipped my hill strides today because I was so sore from lifting weights yesterday, like I mentioned. So yeah, who knows if that's the right thing, but I just needed it today. Oh, probably. Yeah. Sometimes you have to skip them. That's the right call. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Andrea, I, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your story and uh, getting us just a little glimpse into how you approach your training. I think there's so much to learn. Uh, I'm probably going to be re-listening to this to, to hear more about <laughs> how you structure everything. And I, I think your success is just such a great testament to the fact that you do it all. You know, you do the strength training, you do, you know, the, the focus on nutrition and sleep and high mileage, and you've focused on a variety of distances. I mean, you, I think, have really approached your training in such an awesome way. And oh, uh, I'm just so excited for you. Congratulations on the trials this past weekend. Thank you. I I really appreciate that. Thanks. And it's um, it doesn't happen alone, too. I have, I think, um, probably the most important key to my success is um, the people that are around me, too. I have a really good support system, and that's, um, that's really important, too. So, but yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, Andrea. Thank you. That's our show today, my friends. If you're a fan of the show, go ahead and give us a review in Apple Music. I'm so appreciative of that support. And don't forget, if you want to use the same weightlifting program as Andrea to get strong, get high-performance lifting at 20% off with the code TRIALS. Go to strengthrunning.com slash HPL and use code TRIALS for that discount. You can also take advantage of our sponsors' discounts that are going to improve your training as well. First, I'm very grateful for the support of AG1, the health and wellness company that makes comprehensive daily nutrition super simple. Now, I know that I don't eat perfectly, and I just love convenience, so I find AG1 incredibly helpful to help me optimize my health by giving my body what it needs. You can learn more about AG1 at drinkag1.com slash Jason. One scoop gives me 75 vitamins and minerals and whole food sourced ingredients, including a greens superfood blend, probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogens, and more. AG1 helps me fill in any nutrition gaps in my diet because I know I have those gaps and it just gives me a nice boost of energy and focus throughout the day. And now that I've got all three of my kids in school, I know I've got to support my immune system because I am no match for those little kid germs. Now, but what I really love about AG1 is that it changes. Over the last decade, they've made over 50 different improvements to the AG1 formula based on the latest research to help make all those nutrients more absorbable and more rigorous with the third-party testing that they do. Yes, AG1 is safe for sport. Go to drinkag1.com Jason to see the great offer they've put together for our podcast listeners. You're going to get a year's worth of free vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. You can sign up for a single shipment, or you can go for a monthly drop if you want to make AG1 a part of your regular healthy lifestyle. Go to drinkag1.com Jason to sign up today. Finally, don't miss the Performance Training Journal, which is available on Amazon. Since I started running in 1998, I've kept a hard copy training journal holding a tangible log, writing in it daily, and reflecting on the ups and downs of running is a surefire way to improve. You're going to learn to focus on the training metrics that matter. You're going to learn to prioritize optimism in your running, focus on long-term progress, and reflect on what's actually helping you run faster. It has a no-frills functional design, and the performance training journal includes coaching advice too on racing, injury prevention, strength training, and more. It's going to guide you through race scheduling, how to plan your race morning, 
the best workouts for endurance runners, and encourage you to track your personal bests over time. So in a way, it's a lot more than just a training journal. But most importantly, you have the space to make this journal your own, whether you're a new runner or a professional, a trail or road runner, or a mid-distance specialist or ultra-marathoner. A detailed, performance-oriented training journal is one of the most effective and valuable training tools available. Don't just track your running, learn from it with the Performance Training Journal. Check it out today on Amazon. All right, my friends, that's our show. Thank you for subscribing and sharing this show with your friends. You can support us by supporting our sponsors, reviewing the podcast, or going on strengthrunning.com and getting yourself a training program. My number one goal is to elevate your running. So feel free to reach out through the Strength Running website, or you could message me directly on Instagram at Jason Fitz One. We'll be in touch. 